The NFL draft is two days away. Sports fans in all cities across this great country are gathering together in locker rooms, break rooms, hallways, garages, driveways, front porches, and talking about their team's hopes and dreams for the future. At number one, the Arizona Cardinals are picking. We're ready to throw it out to you, the fans of the Under Channel. Who do you believe the Arizona Cardinals will pick number one overall? Do you believe the hype in Kyler Murray? Or do you think they'll take the superstar defensive Bosa? Or do you believe they'll surprise everyone and take someone else? Head on to Facebook or Twitter and let us know what you think on our poll. Welcome to the Under Channel's 2019 Draft Special, recorded live from Red Steve's House of Bloom. Even though we've been buried in the Under Channel versus Marvel Cinematic Universe all month long, we still want to deliver some NFL draft talk to you. And TUC's lead sports anchor, Steve Bloom, stepped up to put together a mock draft for every pick in the first round. Aaron and I will both be along for the ride, but this one's Steve's baby. All picks presented here are his own, and neither Aaron or I should be mocked, ridiculed, and or made to feel foolish in any way as a result of this selection. <laughs> is that understood by everyone? I think it might be understood. We are going to go through the Just entire first good. round, allowing Steve to make his picks. Aaron and I are going to jump in, and then after the actual draft takes place, we're going to do a follow-up where we're going to judge Steve's accuracy. And he will receive three points for every correct player he chooses. Two points for every correct position that he chooses, and one point for every correct side of the ball that Steve chooses. That's pretty fair. Okay. So there's a total of 66 available points, and after this, it'll be Sunday, April, when that will come out, and we'll judge your score then. You guys have anything before we jump in? I'm really excited. No, let's to do get this, this party I'm started. I'm fucking pumped. All right. The first selection belongs to the Arizona Cardinals. After going 3-13 and in 2018-19 and and placing dead last in the NFL, Steve, who do the Arizona Cardinals select? As soon as they're put on the clock, they immediately hand Cadell the card. Quinn Williams. Quinn, Quinn and Williams, Williams. The first player off the board. I take that back. That's a good selection. Yep. We're now starting to hear reports that Kyler Murray is, is not going to be taken first overall. And they should take Quinn Williams. He is a rare prospect with his interior pass rush ability. He is Aaron Donald light. Mm. Aaron Donald is the best defensive tackle in the league. And this guy is capable of double-digit sacks. He's extremely fast off the snap, processing the ability to fire up his gap and close on the quarterback in a hurry. He can use pure speed to fly by blockers and win with a speed rush. He's a beast. 
Uh, Williams showed the ability to beat double teams and still get pressure on the quarterback, which is huge. He played for Alabama. They He played the best of the best in the SEC. And for him to beat double teams and just push them around and make them look like children, that's huge. And I think Arizona could really benefit. Him and Chandler Jones, that's a pass, that's a pass rush duel to really make Arizona defense that much better with that with Patrick Peterson in the secondary. I do see why Murray was a pick for, for Arizona. Oh, there's absolutely plausible reason for him to be the pick I, for I, Arizona. I did get it, but I want to give Josh Rosen a year with Cliff Kisberg. I want to see if it's worth it. Yeah, is I it mean, fair? There's, there's tons of quarterbacks coming out in the next couple of years, mm-hmm. and you would have three more years with Rosen. It's and, great how this movie kind of paralleled that movie with Kevin Costner. Uh, draft Day? Yeah picking the quarterback at this point or are you going to pick that quarterback Quinton Williams is a force I'll be honest maybe nobody's with me on this he's better than Nick Bosa to me by far what I see of Quinton Williams he is the best player to grab it depends on what you really want if you want just pure pass rush I think Bosa's better but if you want the best overall player I think you take Quinn Williams and you just focus on your second rounders the second selection belongs to the San Francisco 49ers after going 4-12 and last year and placing third in the NFC West. Now, the team did play most of last season without Jimmy Garoppolo, so the record may not represent truly how good the team is. But who do you have San Francisco taking with the second Nick pick? Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa can, is what you need to do to be successful in the league, which is pass rush to quarterback. The major knock on him is his health. Nick Bosa hurt his abdomen last year, and then he realized that he could be top five pick in the draft, so he decided not to play. He is a beast in the pass rush. He has excellent get-off, firing off the snap. He is fast off the edge with the ability to quickly get leverage by using his speed to get an angle on the quarterback. Nick Bosa's main concerns are his health, and he doesn't have long arms. Mm. He has 33-inch and one-third arms, mm. which it's like, okay, that's kind of – it sounds weird, but, like, when the tackles have longer arms than you, you, you can't, can't get at them. You can't you get can't at them. You can't force your yeah, will absolutely. upon them. And tackles are getting bigger and bigger. Yep, but – he is nearly identical to his brother Joey. So if Joey can figure out a way to get be successful, I feel that Nick Bosa can be the same way. The Bosa brothers are very similar with their relentless presence, with speed, power, and physicality as pass rushers. Nick Bosa has a real nose for the quarterback with instincts and natural feel. I really feel that he will help the 49ers get that pass rush with the Forrest Buckner uh, with that D-line. That's right. They have a sneaky D. I mean, I hate that secondary though. That secondary, the secondary is super is the, bad. The bad part of it's yeah, really bad. They're the bad part of that defense, but that defense has a lot of room to grow. They've got more potential than most people will give them credit for. But like you said, DeForest Buckner uh, is a great part of that team. Adding a guy like Bosa just makes other people better. And you know, I've talked about it with other teams. If you can get your front front uh, four, front four can hide a lot of problems in your secondary. Exactly. The 2007 Giants are a perfect example. Mm-hmm. You rush the quarterback, the quarterback does not have enough time to throw unless the quarterback is like Tom Brady who could throw in less than 2 seconds and then it can provide a secondary's opportunities to snatch the ball. Yep, the secondary can get into their groove. I have a first family of football question for you guys. Okay. You guys are GMs of a team. You can draft a person from the Matthews family, you can draft a player from the Bosa family. Or you can draft a player from the Manning family. All three players are scouted equally. Who's that first family? The, the Matthews Ma- family. Matthews, like uh, Clay Matthews, like Clay, Clay Matthews. Matthews, Clay Matthews, Bruce Matthews. He's got th- t- an uncle it's, and t- there's one more. There's maybe. one more. But yeah, the Matthews family is a Hall of Famer. Clay was a really good player for about six years. Mm. That he fell off. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I want Manning. Yeah, I'm a Manning. 
I mean, you have Archie. He was the face of the Saints during his time. You have Peyton Manning, who is probably the third best quarterback of all time. And then you got Eli. God bless Eli. Um, we can move on. <laughs> I don't think I could go with anybody other than the Mannings. The Bosa's, I mean, it's defense that's threatening defense, but I haven't seen the next Bosa in an NFL uniform making that kind of impact. And the Matthews family, I thought Clay was the only one. I didn't realize other Now, Matthews. his father, Bruce, He. I'm forgetting one more, but the, yeah. there's I a think, younger brother or cousin who's in college right now, too. I'm surprised you didn't use the lawns. And mm. that timer means that we have hit that yeah. part. It's time to move on to number three. The third selection belongs to the New York Jets after going 4-12 and last year and finishing last in the AFC East. Steve, who do you have the Jets taking with number three? I wanted them to pick Josh Allen. Josh Allen will provide the pass rush that the Jets sorely lack, have lacked the past decade. With his speed, athleticism, size, strength, and length, Josh Allen can be the impactful edge defender with double jazz sack potential as a pro. He is also good as a run defender who is capable of uh, contributing pass coverage. He can literally do it all and can be a defensive franchise player to build that D-line. And with Jamal Adams, who is up and coming as the best secondary, the Jets defense could potentially be something. Like I feel like Josh Allen is what they wanted Anthony Barr to be. When they tried to get Anthony Barr from the Vikings, they wanted him to be just the pass rusher because Anthony Barr is a liability in pass coverage. So unfortunately, they couldn't get Anthony Barr, so I feel like Josh Allen could be the next big thing. He shows a very nice ability to function in space. He has the skill to set to cover with good speed, athleticism, and length. In time, he could end up being an asset to help cover receiving tight ends and backs out of the backfield. I really feel like he could help the Jets. Yeah, there's a lot of individual awards in college football, but the Bronco Nagurski Award, which is what he won as the best defensive player in the country, that is one of those awards you really want to pay attention to when you're scouting. Some past recipients, Aaron Donald in 13, you had Luke Keekley in 2011, and Sue back in 2009. So just over the past, say, nine years, you have all pro-level talent that's being given that award. Who else has won it? I'm curious. Or is all, or you just looked at the Just got a couple. Yeah. You just got the big names. That's understandable. Uh, another little side note. He has a twin brother named Isaiah. And, What's Isaiah uh, doing? I'm not sure. But Josh Allen, due to a stutter, he spent some time in special education classes when he was growing up. That's from Wikipedia. I feel Josh Allen, great pick for the Jets at this point. Um, you got a pass-driven NFL that's been going on the last couple of years. To get yourself an edge defender like that, that can get after the quarterback, that's always going to be in demand. He seems to be an elite-level talent. You're not going to get much better than him. Going into the scheme style, he fits pretty well, I, I would say, being able to get on the outside when you, you run into teams like that. Josh Allen. Solid pick. You can't go wrong with you know with these first three defensive players that we've taken off the board so far. You really can't go wrong with any of them. All three of them, they have their ways that you use them in your defense, but you couldn't fault a team for taking them. Maybe you could fault a team for taking a linebacker at number one, but he is a difference maker. It's either going to be Josh Allen or Ed Oliver. Yeah. Ed Oliver slowly. At, th- at three. Yeah, at three. Uh, before we get on to the fourth pick, I have a joke for you guys. Okay, you got 10 seconds. Go. How many Oakland Raiders does it take to change a flat tire? All 32. There's more than 32 Raiders on a team, right? I don't know. <laughs> All three first-rounders? Nope, just one. Unless it's a blowout, then the whole team's going to show up. Dun, 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 dun. Bam. So, so with the fourth pick, that belongs to the Oakland Raiders. After going 4-12, and lots of teams went 4-12 and last year, and ranking last in the AFC West. What should John Gruden and his Oakland Raiders do with that fourth pick? The Raiders. They take Kyler Murray. 
Oh, okay. They move on from Derek Carr. I've been reading reports that John Gruden is in love with Kyler. I mean, there's a lot to like about Kyler. He is lethal on all throws, regardless of the difficulty. On tight windows, knows exactly where the target is with 10-plus or more. He is incredibly sharp, posing the highest accuracy percentage among top quarterbacks in his class. His height is not a problem. He can make the throws and can run when he needs to, as long as slides and does not take the unnecessary hits as he should. He is kind of like Russell Wilson when it comes to that stuff. He wasn't like mm-hmm. he's not like Rob Griffin the third, where Rob Griffin wanted to make that extra yard. He knows when to make those slides, which is super crucial with someone with his height and his weight, where one wrong hit and it's all over. He has the capability to remain as effective passer when his first option is not there, and he goes to his next read. Oklahoma, you saw it. His first read's not there, and he just constantly scans the field, extends the play just a little bit. Boom! It worked perfectly multiple times. That's why. That's why he won the Heisman. Yeah, accuracy in Oklahoma was everything you would want from a quarterback. 69% of his passes were completed, and that wasn't just chump change. I mean, that was over 4,000 yards passing, 42 touchdowns to go with that. Interceptions, seven. College ball is different than the pros, but at least you've got a measure of how good this kid could be potentially. The only thing I do not like is we only have one year of film to work with. Yes. And then we also had the how dedicated is he because it was always the argument. It's like he was drafted in the first round by the Oakland Athletics. Mm-hmm. And he chose yeah, he chose football because of the more money opportunity. So are you curious, like, how much does he love football? You know, if I only heard one knock on him besides the dual sport thing is many teams said that he had a average ability to play recall. That's something that can be coached. That's something that can be learned. So it's it's not as bad. He doesn't have the, who's the Rams coach? Sean McVay, where he can like recall every single play I, from his I, entire I, coaching Sean career. Sean McVay <laughs> is such an anomaly. It's not even funny. But then you're asking yourself, like, all right, Steve, they pick Kyler Murray. Where's Derek? Is Derek Carr going to stay on the team? I mean, he can't. No one asked you that, Steve. I asked you that, Steve. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. I'm just kidding, Steve. Not, oh, no. no. Hey, are you saying? I got 20 seconds, so I don't even have Didn't they time. just re-sign Derek Carr not too long ago? <laughs> they kind of did. We didn't re-sign Odell Beckham Jr. to trade him. <laughs> no, but it's interesting where if they do draft Kyler, where would Derek Carr go? And the answer is I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, you could ship him anywhere. You could literally ship him, but it's going to cost you because Derek Carr is, is old like four, like $20 million plus in the next mm-hmm. four years. The fifth selection belongs to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after going 5-11 and last year and placing last in the NFC South. This is first pick for head coach Bruce Arians for the Bucs. He spent 2013 through 2017 as Arizona's head coach. Steve, who are the Bucks taking at five? They're getting their Derek Brooks. They're getting Devin White. Nice. White has all the physical attributes you want from a linebacker. His burst, his play strength, his size, and aggressive mentality are exciting traits to have as a linebacker. He does need more work on his mental side of the game to make more of an impact. This was his first real year as a linebacker. He's still learning, but his... Upside is so large that you you just kind of ignore his rawness and be like, if we can coach this guy, we could, he could be a perennial all-pro. Pretty much how Derek Brooke was. And I honestly can't think of a better coach than Bruce Arians for this. He's the best linebacker you would want to take in terms of inside linebacker. He'd be your Mike. Um, I think he's the best linebacker since Luke coming he, out. He's a great player. If I'm going to knock him, in any way, shape, and or form, because this is the guy I want for my team. I want Devin White. The only knock I would have is sometimes he gets overly aggressive and he can get himself out of position. 
I feel like that's coachable, though. Yes, it can be very coachable. And especially when he really becomes the leader of a team, he's going to have to own to himself to not play out of position at times. So he's going to have to set an example that way. And I feel like he's a player, watching what I've watched, reading what I've read, he's somebody that can do that and self-discipline himself, which is what you want as a coach, too. That's a guy that's on your team. You would want him to be able to take care of himself in some respects. He's got to be coached up, but will he actually learn from you? And as somebody that can self-discipline, they will definitely learn from you. The sixth selection belongs to the New York football giants. After going 5-11 and last year and placing last in the NFC East, Steve, who are the giants going to select? Jonah Williams, offensive tackle. Nice. Beyond popular belief, where people say, like, Eli was the problem. I don't believe he is the problem. He's not the future. He's not the future, but I feel that they will take a quarterback in the next few years. The lack of the success has been the O-line. The O-line is one of the worst groups. When you watch the Giants film, you just see Eli and Saquon. like They're immediately getting pressure. Williams has the makings of the next all-pro lineman, regardless if he plays tackle or guard at the next level. His technical and athletic ability make it more likely that he's going to be one of the top players. He is a very smart player who that anticipates the game well. He reacts to defenders' movements quickly and can counter with good feet and powerful hands. As a pass blocker, he is used to holding his blocks and demoralizing pass rushers. As a run blocker, he gets movement and with a quick first step and a powerful positioning on contact. His only weakness, I think, is his lack of length with his arms for a defensive tackle position. He can sometimes get overpowered, but that doesn't mean that he's automatically going to get kicked inside. Yeah, he's another 33-inch arm guy. 33.6, I think, is his official arm length. He's another player that some people will look at him in terms of his arms and have questions, but he's clearly a talent that transcends that stat. Yeah, I see one big thing with him is they say he's extremely studious, like the way he preps for his games. Joe Thomas, former Browns. Joe Hall of Famer. Yeah, look, was shown the way that Jonah Williams preps, and he said that technique is genius and that he's years beyond an offensive lineman at his age for the way he understands a way that a game is called from the trenches. Dave Gettleman loves the trenches more than anything, which I think is the best way to restart your franchise due to the rebuild, and I think this is probably the best way to go. You have the second rounder, Willie Hernandez. You have free agency in the left tackle. I forgot his name. And then you have Jonah Williams. You have three good offensive linemen, and that should be more than enough to start this rebuild. The seventh selection belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars after going 5-11 and last year and placing last in the AFC South. Steve, who do the Jaguars select? Uh, they are taking Jaiwan Taylor from Florida. The Jags are a very run-heavy team, and I see him taking a guy who can come in and start from day one as right tackle and can be an anchor for this offensive line for the next decade. You want to protect your big asset, which is Nick Foles. I debated this or DK Matcliff, but I felt like just making sure Nick Foles stays up alright. Nick Foles is going to go from one of the best offensive lines in Philadelphia to middle of the road, and I feel like if they draft J1, they'll be on up and up. Yeah, he's one of those guys uh, who's reported as only having given up one sack for the entire year. Do you know who his one sack is credited to? I do not know. Mm, no. That would be Kentucky's Joshua Allen. The eighth selection belongs to the Detroit Lions after going 6-10 and ten last year and placing last in the NFC North. Steve, make it a good one. 
but who do the Lions select? We're taking Greedy Williams from LSU. The Lions can take one of the best corners in this draft. Greedy is considered the best cover corner in this draft. The Lions play corner more than almost in any other team in this league. Imagine him with Darius Slay, with that defensive line. I understand that we have a weakness at linebacker, but I feel that you can never have too many good corners in this league. Put you back to those Revis, Cromartie, Jets, where you just had two big corners who blocked out both sides of the field. Yep, and I feel that those two can remind people of that era. His nickname, Greedy, comes from his aunt, which came from when he was growing up. He's actually said he really loves the nickname. It's a great nickname for a defensive back. I mean, think of the name Greedy. How good is it to be Greedy? I want the ball. All right, we're going to head out to a brief break, and we're going to come back and talk about our Detroit Lions hopes and dreams. Like, just see like a high rise. No, I don't remember that. Like, there's like a chick's like face like under the tire and shit. And I'm like, oh, my guy's like, don't be afraid. You're listening to the Under Channel. I know. Yeah, yeah like, remove himself from uh, his friends, you know, because they're all racist and he's a racist. My job is done. Get some sleep, bud. So Steve took Greedy Williams, selected as our pick as Detroit Lions fans. Number eight, Greedy Williams. Would you be happy with that pick? Greedy Williams is one of my, let's see, let's see, this is how I've put it so far. I have three testicles. One's name is Greedy Williams, one's name is Devin White, and one's name is Montez Sweat. I am very happy if we get defensive side of the ball for the Lions on this pick. Greedy Williams, I am a little concerned about his tackling ability, but the position he plays is going to be man coverage. He's going to press. He doesn't necessarily need to tackle as much. He can eliminate a receiver off of the field. He'll be a complete complement to Darius Slay's style of play. Darius, uh, you know, and just the system that Detroit runs. Period. You know, when it comes to pass protection. So Greedy Williams at eight. Good pick for me. I personally, in this draft, would have taken Montez Sweat just because I like the idea of another big defensive end who is able to get after the quarterback and continue that rush pressure because your defensive line is very nice Mm. at this point. You made a good addition in getting Trey Flowers. Take it to the next level. Get another guy. You can't expect Trey Flowers to do it all himself. If you watch Trey Flowers and you understand his career, he's not going to do it all himself. So you can't go wrong. Greedy Williams, great pick. Is there anyone you would be completely unhappy with? TJ Hawkinson. You don't want a tight end. I, I don't, but don't get me wrong, because our offense was terrible last year. There were times when we just, I forgot that we even had an offense. If we draft TJ Hawkinson, I won't be very happy. Anybody else? I won't like Rashawn Gary. Okay. And I see him getting linked with us a lot. I would be very upset with that. I wouldn't mind us drafting Ed Oliver. I'm just not as high on him as I am Montez Sweat. But Any feelings on Dwayne Haskins? There's no need. Maybe not at eight. There's no need. What there's, if he's... Be- there's better quarterbacks next year to, to do something like that. You know, Depending on where you finish at this season coming up, I hope that we're going to be a team that's pushing for a playoff position and we're not drafting in the low parts anymore, but let's say we go 6-10. and 10. Looking at the schedule coming up, 
it's a possibility, Lions fans, that we may go six and ten. Mm. My pre-draft prediction is nine and seven, but there's quarterbacks coming out next season, next draft, uh, that you could draft to put pressure on a Stafford or replace Stafford. There's not a need to to Dwayne Haskins it right now, and I'm not convinced that Dwayne Haskins is that good of a quarterback. To be honest with you. Picking him in the top 10 where is where he gets slated in a lot of drafts, but I could easily see him sliding out of the top 15. Mm. Yeah, it's just one of those quarterbacks. There's a glut when they're not available, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if Dwayne Haskins might get picked in the top 10, he might not get picked until the end of the first round. He might not mm, be picked it, until— he won't, he won't slide that far. Don't get me wrong. No? you got two quarterbacks in this draft. After that, there is a drop-off. But there's no reason to panic and grab this quarterback. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford is the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, and he will be the quarterback of the Detroit Lions for at least the next three seasons. What if you trade back to 15, get an extra second round or something like that to move back seven? I, I love the idea of trades, especially in the eighth position. The eight, the eighth spot is if I'm Bob Quinn, picking at eight, I've got anxiety. It's dangerous. I've got anxiety problems that. Nothing's curing right now. I want a nice haul, though. It can be kind of unrealistic to get that haul at eight. You've got to have a team that's actually really in love with picking a player in that eighth position. It depends on how that draft board would fall. We've been linked to Cincinnati. We've been linked to Atlanta in terms of some of these trades. Don't pick up the phone if New England calls. Uh, <laughs> but just depends on what you're going to get. If you can spring back a few picks, pick up another second-round pick, you know, maybe another fifth round pick. That's that's getting a little steep. I don't know many teams that'll pay that much, but at least another second round pick. Mm-hmm. Definitely got to consider doing that. You got to you got to be open to a trade. Thank you for listening to the Under Channel's 2019 NFL Draft Special. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And the show is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Find, follow, and spread TUC. The ninth selection belongs to the Buffalo Bills after going 6-10 and last year and placing third in the AFC South. Steve, who do the Buffalo Bills take? I know Buffalo fans, I think they do want DK Matcliff, and they're going to be upset with me on this one, but I want them to take Byron Murphy. Like the Lions, the Buffalo Bills have a very good cornerback, Tredavious White, and I feel like with them and Brian Murphy, who is considered the best zone corner in this draft and fits the Bills game perfectly, I really feel like they can cause some fits for defenses. The Bills do have needs. They could use defensive line help. So Ed Oliver also fits here really well. There's like tons of fits that would fit the Bills, but I feel Brian Murphy fits them perfectly. I'm 100% with you on this. Honestly, I feel bad for any fan in Buffalo if they draft DK Metcalf at this point. It is one of their bigger needs is to get a wide receiver in Buffalo. Um, DK fits him so perfectly, though. Yeah, but... He fits him in terms of a potential. The player himself. You want you you want I, the guy I, with one of the biggest arms and a guy who can run four three. I just, just do go routes. I just feel like they can get somebody better than him. He's a big, strong, physical receiver that you don't see very often. He's drawn comparisons to Kelvin Johnson, to Tavius Bryant. I just he's got bust written all over him to me. He's been the hype, and hype really gets you built into these college drafts. I just feel like Buffalo could use an edge rusher. So is this where you just you would they, go Ed Oliver? I probably would go Ed Oliver. You know my top edge rusher off the board at this point. If I'm Buffalo, I know I've got to have an edge rusher. Honestly, 
Greedy Williams was the pick for the Lions at eight, I would have taken Montez Sweat. So if I'm the Buffalo Bills now sitting here and Montez Sweat is still on the board, Montez Sweat would be my guy. I would not take DK Metcalf. I'd okay. let I'd let him pass. Okay. I just again I feel like there's a bust in that player. The tenth selection belongs to the Denver Broncos after going six and ten last year and placing third in the AFC West. Whose jock will Randy be swilling apple juice from this coming season? <laughs> they are taking Devin Bush from Michigan. Good linebacker. He is the second best linebacker in this draft class after Devin White. Bush has stat consecutive dominant seasons together at Michigan while developing into a top linebacker prospect. He's versatile. He projects favorably to all three linebacker positions and is more likely as the most natural inside backer. His possession skills, his physicality, and range make him an every down option with playing upside. He does have limitation with tackling and playing through contact that are present because he lacks the ideal length. I do feel like this is new coach Big Van Gogh. He's getting his new single caller for his defense. It's going to start rebuilding that championship defense. It still has Vaughn Miller. Still have very good corners. I feel like linebacking was the missing piece for mm-hmm. that defense. And afterwards, you start focusing on your offense for the rest of the draft. You could also probably focus on defensive tackle as well. They have missed it since Derek Wolf left. But I feel like linebacker is more of a need. Yeah. For Denver, I agree with you. you got to get that defense going. You're figuring things out on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, you need an offensive lineman in Denver to kind of protect what's going on quarterback-wise for your team. You went out. You tried to make a splash in free agency. You grabbed Joe Flacco. Don't get me wrong. He's a former Super Bowl champ, former MVP. He's not been the same since But he's not been the same since, exactly. But if you're going to do something and make it mean something, Get yourself some defense. Linebacker's a good pick at this point. And Devin Bush will be joining his father as a second-generation player to be selected in the first round. His father was selected as a safety by the Falcons back in 1995 and went on to win Super Bowl 34 with the Rams. The 11th selection of the draft belongs to the Cincinnati Bengals after going 6-10 and last year and placing last in the AFC North. What does new coach Zach Taylor look to do with this pick? The Andy Dalton era is over. They're taking Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Andy Dolan has been the Bengals quarterback for this part of the decade and has close to zero success in the postseason. I believe that Dolan is a good quarterback, but it's time for Bengals to look into the future. Zach Taylor is the new head coach, and I think he wants his guy. When you're a new head coach, you want your guy. You don't want the past guy. I don't think Hasbins is the perfect prospect, but he has very good tape. He has some limitations. The Bengals will not only get cheaper from the position, but also invest in the future because you also get that fifth year when you take a quarterback in the first round. Do you think any of the 10 teams picking before him are going to regret not having selected Haskins? Maybe the Giants. He'd be the only maybe, one. Maybe the Buccaneers, because I have zero faith in Jameis. I think Devin White is more important. Mm-hmm. You're on hook with Jameis for one more year was for, I think, $17 million. See what goes with that. And if not, just let it go. I do think that you can roll with Dalton for a year, cut ties with him or trade him in 2020, and then let Haskins take over. I think it's a great fit. Yeah. You're not doing anything other than quarterback in Cincinnati. If you do, I don't understand why you're there. The 12th selection belongs to the Green Bay Packers after going 6-9-1 last year and placing third in the NFC North. They also have a first-time coach, LaFleur. You're going down, LaFleur. What is he looking to do with that first pick? This is going to be a weird pick, but Rashard Gary. Ooh. Mike Patton's offense relies on the defense bringing loads of pressure and lots of blitzes, and he constantly rotates his defenseman linemen throughout the game. 
and no one in college football last year was more versatile than Rashad Gary. Michigan had him playing defensive tackle, defensive end, linebacker, literally everywhere. I understand his production did not match what Rashad Gary could do. The dude's upside is literally through the roof. Well, exactly what you just said is why. They put him in so many different positions. They put him in he so said, many he different... Should, he should still have succeeded. He, it, the numbers should have been higher. They weren't, and I'm trying to basically defend him by saying the reasons his numbers weren't higher is because they kept doing different things with him, not allowing him to motor in on one type of play, which is fine. You, having a multidimensional player like that is great. We can go back to our pick for Denver and say, you need defense for this team. You got your quarterback. Your offense could use something, but if you're going to make a splash somewhere, okay, let's do it defensively. Let's let's bolster our defense. I would say their biggest need in Green Bay is the offensive line. If Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, and you're not trying to get him the best offensive line you can, he should just pack his bags and move on. Since I'm a Lions fan, I'll be very happy with that. Just go to the AFC. I understand they picked up two guys in free agency for defensive line. I'm just saying that Gary is more versatile and he can make those other two. Kind of how similar how he made Chase Winovich. Mm-hmm. Like Winovich got the numbers and Rashad Gary was getting the double teams. It could be very similar to how it could be for Green Bay. I know Lions fans don't want to see that, but it's a possibility that could happen. I understand the need for a guard for a tackle for the Packers. I just felt like you have a second first rounder which is shore up the defensive line and make sure that they can get after the quarterbacks. What's scarier, a good Packers defense or Aaron Rodgers? Current Aaron Rodgers or healthy Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> I'd, rather, I'd, rather I'd rather take beat uh, up Aaron Rodgers right now than a good Packers defense. I'd rather take the good Packers defense, to be honest. Mm. Would you rather face a good Packers defense or face Aaron Rodgers with a bad defense? Mm. Well, then time's up. I would. <laughs> I I'd rather face the defense. I understand Aaron Rodgers is a scary. Him and his prime was one of the scariest quarterbacks. So these two picks, Zach Taylor and Mike Lafleur, being first-time head coaches back to back, which pick is more important for the team to get correct? Which first-time term, coach? Uh, is more Packers important? is short-term because Aaron Rodgers has maybe four or five years left. Yep. Grant, but that granted, that could be considered long-term. But the Bengals pick is more important. The Bengals are at franchise reset mode. The the Packers are not. Sure, you're getting a new head coach out there in Green Bay, but it's got to be Cincinnati's pick. Cincinnati's pick is more important. And they're drafting a quarterback, according to us at least, and that's they're setting the tone. They're beginning all over again. So I think their pick is more important than Green Bay's. Green Bay's getting Rashawn Gary. Very nice pick for them. Is he going to be a franchise difference maker? He most likely will be. But that pick is not as important as Cincinnati, for the coaches at Mm. least, and their legacy in their towns. Mm. Before we continue, I've got one quick question for you both. What's green has bumps and plays football? The Grinch. The Grinch trying to play Incorrect. A frog sucker. That would be the Green Bay Pickles. (laughs) The 13th selection belongs to the Miami Dolphins. After going 7-9 last year and placing second in the AFC East, Steve, what do the Dolphins do with this selection? They're taking offensive guard Cordy Ford. Yeah, nice. Number one on my board for that. Dolphins interior offensive lineman was a train wreck last year. They allowed 98 pressures just in interior alone. Who's that QB out there? Tannehill. Again, jeez. He is lives. no longer with the team, though. He is a Tennessee Titan now. Oh, so who is their quarterback? Their, this quarterback this year will be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ah, uh, Fitzmagic. 
He's another one you can't get rid of. Uh, well, Cordy Ford might not be a top 15 guy to everyone. I think he is probably the best interior lineman in his class and could be a good start for the Miami rebuild. I do not see him taking a quarterback here because I truly believe they're going in a rebuild mode and they are relying on the next two years drafts. They don't even want next year's draft. They want the 2020 draft. They want Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I don't understand a two-year rebuild, pretty much acknowledging you're in a two-year rebuild. But if they truly believe that Trevor Lawrence is that guy, because there's so many factors that are going into this. Like, Trevor Lawrence could get injured. He could regress. Oh, yeah. There's just too know. many factors. We, we don't know what the hell But you're happen. right. Miami is not looking to be better this year. They are a rebuild team. They are a team that's going to stockpile on picks. They're going to do things. I don't think they're even stockpiling. They're, just, they're not going to be relevant. They're not going to be relevant. And they're going to get high draft picks. I'm not saying they're okay with it because no team wants to lose. But they're not a team that's going to be winning a lot of games. I don't even know how they went seven and nine last year, to be honest. <laughs> Miami, this pick makes a lot of sense for them. It is a very good pick for them to go and continue to build through the draft. That's the by way the time you have your successful. quarterback, the offensive line will be good to go. Yep, you might have a decent running back, and hopefully they'll have some weapons. It'll be interesting if Ryan Fitzpatrick screws him up out of a high draft pick. He starts winning games. Yep, he goes, I, I feel he goes like he's nine and zero in the beginning of the season. No, like he's. They're probably going to be like. <laughs> then he gets injured right as you know they're yeah. they're in the hunt. No, he'll he'll have like three really good games where it's like three hundred yards, five touchdowns. Then it's like, oh, maybe he could be the franchise quarterback, and then he'll just throw five picks in next the game. The Fitz magic strikes again. The 14th selection belongs to the Atlanta Falcons after going seven and nine last year and placing second in the NFC South. Steve, what do the Falcons do with this selection? The Falcons, they were the most injury-riddled team. They lost both the defensive captains. They lost Devontae Freeman to injury. Yep. I really feel like Ed Oliver can help rebuild that defensive line. They were terrible against the run last year, and they straight up do not get pressure. Former 2015 Defensive Player of the Year, blanking on his name, but he got 15 sacks that one year. Since then, he's gotten like five sacks, period. On the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah. Grady Jarrett? No, not Grady Jarrett. Defensive end. I'm forgetting his name. Beasley? Yeah, Big Beasley. Been relevant since he went defensive player of the year. Yeah, he's kind of a one-trick guy. I feel that Ed Oliver can solve both of these problems and help defensive line get back to the level they were in in 2015. According to CBS Sports, his uncle, Pete Oliver, is a captain with the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Hmm, he's an outdoorsman. The 15th selection belongs to the Washington Redskins after going 7-9 and last year and placing third in the NFC East. Steve, what do the Redskins do with this pick? I have them taking DeAndre Baker. Washington gets the best cornerback remaining. The drop-off after him is a difference. So I have them taking a position where there is more value of the position that I'm having them take than mm-hmm. them taking a linebacker or defensive tackle. Mm. Baker is a really good corner. He's right below Murphy. He's right below Greedy Williams. Mm. But the real part about Washington is like they're in a limbo. Yeah, they are. They're not. They're not terrible. They're not terrible, but they're in purgatory right now. And they had a heartbreaker of a season last year with their quarterbacks. Not to say that's what they need to do. They don't need to draft a quarterback at this point. I debated it. They could. I mean, they could go for that kid out of Duke. They'll be okay. They can. They can pump the brakes on the quarterback thing. They've signed players to long-term money in Alex Smith. Yeah, they're paying Alex Smith 20-plus yeah. million for next year. So don't draft a quarterback at this point. You grab Case Keenum, let him do the thing. I like corner at this position. Their other corner, uh, Dunbar, he's a pretty solid corner. So if you get him another player. Norman, Josh Norman. 
Josh Norman. Yeah. On the other side too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh I'm Norman's sorry. Starting corner. I'm an idiot. Yeah, he's the number one guy. He's their number one guy. And Norman has lost a step, so I feel like maybe Baker can be the new guy. You, you can you can build a decent secondary, umbrella out your defense, and hope to win some games. I feel like Washington's very similar to Miami in the respect that this is not the season. Next season's not the season. They're not going to be successful, but they can. Uh, still... They were six and two. What really screwed them was like, was the injury. Was, was it the Alex Smith injury? Yeah, they had it figured out, and then. But what do they have on that team? After Alex Smith. After I mean, Alex Smith. Well, wh- who's their running back? Who's their receiver? It was Adrian Peterson. And then you're going to have... Adrian Peterson. He actually had a pretty good year that year. Yeah, you can't <laughs> talk shit. It sucks. He did have a good and year. And then you're forgetting about Darius Geis. Mm, yeah, it's who, true. Who everyone's forgetting about. So it's going to be interesting. He blew his, uh, I forgot all about him. Yeah, he blew his... Um, was it his Ace ankle? Mm. It was his knee? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. See, he didn't get to play last season. He didn't play at all after um, yeah. his preseason game. So... It's interesting to see what the Redskins are going to do this this season. I don't expect anything from them. I don't expect them to challenge the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Giants or even the Philadelphia Eagles at this point. The 16th selection belongs to the Carolina Panthers after going 7-9 last year and placing third in the NFC South. Steve, what do the Carolina Panthers do with this selection? Um, I have them taking Brian Burns. The Panthers the past few seasons have struggled to attack the quarterback and have lo- and have actually lost Julius Peppers to retirement. So this really does fit a need to fix a problem that has plagued this franchise of just not been able to rush the passer. Do you guys happen to come across his nickname? No. Spider Burns because he really? has the same attributes oh, yeah, as yeah, Spider Man. Yeah, I just saw that on That's ESPN funny. and I and I rolled my eyes. Oh. <laughs> That's a proper reaction. Defensive line is the biggest need in Carolina. So yeah, getting a guy like that. Where are we at now? Uh, 16. Uh, pick 16. You know, you're halfway through the draft. Obviously, I don't know if he's necessarily a top 10 talent. Could he sneak into the top 10 during this process? He could. He could. I mean, pass rushers, one of the highest exactly. needs. Say, like, six pass rushers are taken, and a team could freak out, and they could trade up and try to take Burns. Without a doubt. He's a guy that I see, like, depending on how your board fell, even the Lions at eight. I don't know if I'd like it as much. You want you want sweat more than yeah. Burns. I want I want sweat more than Burns. But let's say sweat goes to Oakland. That's not happening. It could it's happen, not happening, man. <laughs> but getting Burns is a nice player. And at this point in the draft, he's my number three guy in terms of defensive ends. Why not? You're getting a good player there for Carolina. If Burns is not there, I would say go tackle on the offensive line. Yeah. Because left tackle is one of the bigger needs, so is guard. How about receiver in Carolina? Cam has just worked with it. Christian McCaffrey's his best receiver. Is he making the same magic that a guy like Tom Brady does? Have you looked at Eli Cam's Manning entire does? career? He kind of has. Like he went to a Super Bowl with Ted Ginn Jr. as his main receiver. That's true. And I am a very big Ted Ginn hater. <laughs> and that was the number one offense in the league. 16 picks down, 16 to go. We're going to step out for our review of Kevin Costner's 2014 draft day. Guess he still hasn't seen it. And then we'll be coming back for picks 17 through 32. Hello once again. At this point in the 2019 NFL draft, according to Steve Bloom, no team has taken a running back at this point. When do you feel a running back will come off the board in this draft? Jump onto Facebook and Twitter and participate in our poll. Thank you for listening. 
Thank you for listening to the Other Channel's 2019 NFL Draft Special. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and the show is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Find, follow, and spread TUC. Now on to the 17th selection. This pick belongs to the New York Giants via the Odell Beckham Jr. trade with Cleveland. So, Steve, what do the New York Giants do with this extra pick? The Giants are going to be looking to the future for this one. They're not taking a quarterback because they'll probably be taking next year's draft. So they're going to take Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. For those who do not know, he tore his ACL earlier in the offseason. And he's expected to miss most of his first season. Should be ready for the 2020 season when the Giants are ready to compete. And Jeffrey Simmons was a top 10 prospect before he injured his knee. I mean, the Giants are going to get a steal from this one. Like To get two first-round prospects who potentially were in a top 10 especially one of them in the 17th pick. You really can't go wrong with going for defensive tackle this one. Yeah, I saw that they had a top prospect who had torn his ACL during, uh, in, I think it back in February. Jalen Smith. Um, right, is, that what, is that what you were talking about? No, we're talking about, what's his name? Okay, you're talking about Simmons. I, I thought you were trying to refer back to Jalen Smith. No, no, Jeff yeah, Simmons. And I, I always question, is there an age or is there a position where that doesn't matter as much. Like I feel the like ACL tear. Yeah, an ACL tear. So like you may not draft a running back who has an ACL tear as opposed to someone like a defensive tackle where or a different set of muscles they use. Or does that one of those injuries just not really have long term effects? ACL tear is going to have a long term effect regardless of mm. the position. It also depends on how they treat it. It's also how they do rehab with it. Mm. It's all one hundred percent up to the player to see how they recover from the ACL tear. Yeah, he's a player you're not going to see in the first season for New York. He's going to he, be. You might, you, but I don't see the point. Yeah, there's no reason to rush him with the talent that this guy has. There's no point in doing that to him. If you really wanted to rush somebody like this on the field at the defensive tackle position, you wouldn't draft Jeffrey Simmons. Mm-hmm. You'd go after a Dexter Lawrence or a Draymond Jones. At this point, there's no reason to do it. I like the pick at number five. There, or I mean, I'm sorry, at 17. 17. I apologize for the New York Giants. I would go a different route. I'm not seeing the New York football giants looking to the future. That's probably the smart thing. I have a lot of doubts in the intelligence level of Mr. Gettleman at this point. And he has a plan. (laughs) That media in New York is murder. And you need to create some offense. I see this as where TJ Hawkinson comes off the board to the New York Giants at this point. Okay. The big tight end out of Iowa. Yeah, need a big target to replace OBJ. It was nice for them to get Golden Tate, but... Where's their threats, really? I mean, they have a great running back, don't get me wrong. And they re-signed or extended... They have three slot receivers. Yeah, that's it's basically really what weird. they have. They re-signed um, Sterling, Shepard. Sterling Shepard. I always want to call him Shannon Sharp for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, you've got a great pick there. You can't go wrong with building in the trenches. You got, And that's, their, that's always been a New York philosophy. Build from the inside out. I could see Hawkinson going at this point. The 18th selection belongs to the Minnesota Vikings after going 8-7-1 last year and placing second in the NFC North. Steve, what do the Vikings do with this pick? They're taking offensive guard Garrett Bradbury, who is probably the best offensive lineman remaining. Uh, 2018 wasn't the season that most Viking fans expected when they signed Kirk Cousins to that fully guaranteed contract, but in all fairness to Cousins, he had a shit O-line the entire year. This, this O-line was just bad. The run game couldn't get going. They could nag pass block, and... To be perfectly honest, they should just draft O-line mm. the entire draft and then let's let them develop, but granted. Wow. Is he going to grade out to be their center? I, know, I just have it as offensive guard. Mm. It's going to be funny if they disregard O-line again for a DB. 
Mm. I would be upset if I was a Minnesota fan and you didn't <laughs> that's draft what I, <laughs> That's what I wrote. Be, I'd be really upset. Hell, I'll be pissed, and I'm not even a Vikings yeah. fan. I'll be like, I want them you to are, yeah. you, you're straight up ignoring <laughs> your biggest need yep. for a corner. That would be funny as hell, though. <laughs> I could just see. Uh, I mean, besides corner, not even corner, besides Lyman, they do not have a straight-up weakness. Literally everything else is super solid. This team is built for Super Bowl contention, yeah. but O-line is holding that team back. Yeah, if you're Kirk Cousins and they they go out and they draft a safety or they draft a tight end, you're sitting there going, I don't like that! There's no way. If you're not drafting somebody to protect Cousins and protect the running of the ball in that team, yikes, look out. That's going to be a bad fan base out there in Minnesota. The 19th selection belongs to the Tennessee Titans after going 9-7 and last year and placing third in the AFC South. Titans. This is actually the home of the 2019 NFL Draft. So, Steve, are those hometown fans going to be happy? They should be. They're taking one of the best defensive tackles. He would be going a lot higher if it wasn't for his labrum injury. They're taking Jerry Tillery. This guy is a force when he's healthy, and he is best fielded in a 3-4 scheme, which actually Titans play. And he is going to allow the other players for the Tennessee Titans to just run rampant. And I feel like Tillery can be the final push to for this team to be a playoff team. They were very close last year. I think if Mariota didn't get injured and a couple of things bounced their way, like I think they lost week one in that hurricane game against the Dolphins, if I recall correctly. If things bounced their way, they'd be a playoff team. Yeah, this is one of my favorite quotes I found about a player. This is from John Ledyard, the senior NFL draft analyst for the Draft Network. Uh, it says, Jerry Tillery at 6'7", 305 pounds is a force to be reckoned with, although he's not ultra twitched up. It's a good pick for them going in the defensive side of the ball for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the only other pick I could see them making that would make sense. Receiver. Receiver. I see them as being weak at the receiver spot. Have you taken a receiver off the board yet? No. We haven't taken a No, receiver. DK Cliff. he's still the number one receiver on the board. He's not the guy I would necessarily pick, but he would be a decent pick for Mariota. I would look at, if I'm them, maybe an A.J. Brown but I'd also maybe even consider a running back with this pick. But it's a little high for the running backs of this draft class. There's plenty of depth in this draft to get a running back at a later time. Are you guys running back fans? I'm not a giant running back fan. Not in this class. So there's no running backs taken in the first round. <laughs> Way to spoil it. <laughs> I'm going to spoil that one for you. But no, defensive side of the ball for Tennessee. There's so much talent defensively in this draft. If you're passing on defensive players, you could be passing on potential franchise changing. Uh, before we get on to the Tennessee Titans pick at 19, question for you guys. What do you guys call a football player who guesses the other team's plays? A magician. Incorrect. Tony Romo? <laughs> nice. That is the hunchback. Oh, he's got a real hunch, doesn't he? The 20th selection belongs to the Pittsburgh Steelers after going 9-6-1 and last year and placing second in the AFC South. Steve, what do the Steelers do with this pick? It is time for the Steelers to fix what has hurt this team for years. A number one corner, and I think I am going to butcher this guy's name. Amani Aurorane. That's the only time I'm going to pronounce this. I think Amani can be that guy. He can be an effective press man defender, but he must win the line of scrimmage or he will become an early target for the quarterback because he lacks up makeup speed once he's beaten, but he is a proven disruptor at the catch point and is willing to step up and take on run support duties. I think he is going to be a good scheme fit for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. He'll help him with the corner problem. I feel like since 
since Troy Polamalu left, since that 2010 Steelers, like they have just been struggling on defense. They have drafted some good players, but it's just not been enough. Secondary out there in Pittsburgh is a major concern if you're a fan of the Steelers. Even your linebacking core, you know, no Shazier anymore. I mean, that's old news, but you're still feeling the effects of it. You got to get somebody in there to help really hawk down the other team's offense. Another need that you could say the Steelers have, as well as the Titans had, is a pass catcher. You're not really in love with anybody for the style of play that the Pittsburgh Steelers have. There's only two receivers that are worth taking the first round, and I just believe that corner is more of a need. Yeah, it than, definitely than is second, at this than point. receiver. Like, I think there's going to be like seven receivers taken round two. It's going to be stupid. I feel that the Pittsburgh fan base, I hope they know they need pass protection. I hope they're ready for them to suck. Yeah, that too. I hope like, they're I ready hope, to lose. I hope, to I hope they're ready that they're going to be the worst. I don't want to. I don't want to say suck. No, Cincinnati still exists. Yeah, that's true. Like, I hope they're ready for mediocrity, where they're going to be six ten. No playoff pilot. hopes. Just a team that's going to have a high draft pick next year, and that's what they have to be ready for. They've had so many bad things happen in Pittsburgh with their stars. The worst nightmare that you could have happen to you as a franchise, where you've got. A possible Hall of Fame running back, a possible Hall of Fame wide receiver, just say that's it. I'm out of here. I don't want to be in this town anymore. And they just took off on you. And they just well, one was for money, and one was because he is a. Then I'm curious. One was for money, but what did they do to Le'Veon Bell for three seasons? I mean, that's who you're talking about for money, right? Le'Veon Bell. They just jerked him around for three seasons and tried to play the owner I own you game. Mm They gave Le'Veon Bell no respect in that. It, yeah, it, it does suck. It's it is awful. Cal, the franchise tag is really being abused. Like you're seeing it, you're seeing it right now with Frank Clark, and mm-hmm. you saw it with D Ford. I really wish we could get rid of the franchise tag, or or, or put some better limits on it. Maybe we'll see that in a new uh, it, it, collective bargaining. You, you should you should have the teams should have a way to at least a one year, and that's it. You get it one time mm-hmm. for that player, you know, so that the player has a fair chance as well. Yeah, because if you look at certain, you know, first-year contracts guys are signing, so they sign three to four years coming out, and then you can use the franchise on them for three years. Well, okay, right? three collective years So, I mean, you're, in a row, okay. just because you draft a guy, you're potentially locking him up for I mean, he seven, gets a nice pay years. raise out of it. It doesn't matter. A one-year matter. pay raise, but he can't do anything. He can't go negotiate his own deal. I'm okay with a one-year franchise mm-hmm. tag, and that's it. You can and you can't reuse it on the same, same player, player every single year. But, yeah, Pittsburgh, they need secondary help. Bottom line. The 21st selection belongs to the Seattle Seahawks. After going 10-6 and six last year and placing second in the NFC West, Steve, who will Heather be cheering for this year? <laughs> you use somebody you know. We all know. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's true. We all know her. Uh, Seattle's taking Nazir Adderley. Who's that dude? Nasir. Nasir. He is a safety. With Earl Thomas gone to Baltimore and Seattle playing cover three scheme, Nazir fits perfectly into how Seattle plays their defense with his ball hawking skills. He should fit into their scheme, no problem. He comes from that powerhouse Delaware football dynasty. Doesn't matter where he plays as long as he fits the scheme. I mean, Seattle could go look into offensive linemen. They mm-hmm. could, instead of a guy who they have as a second-round prospect and have him move up, but I think you should focus on rebuilding that secondary. Mm. That's your calling card. So what was their calling Yeah, an identity. They had an identity out there, and that was one of them. I think you made a great second comment to them, offensive line help, keeping Russell Wilson going, keeping him alive. He does so much work for that team. And now he got paid. He deserves it. He got paid. He deserves every every dollar. 
But if you're not doing enough to protect them, I mean, obviously, you can do more than the first round. Don't get me wrong. Getting they need to stop thinking they're like they can take these fifth round projects and make it work. Mm-hmm. They legitimately just need to scout better. Since 2012, they've had some hits, but they've had more misses than hits. Yeah. Weapons. What do you think about getting an offensive weapon for Seattle at this point? I know we, we, we're we not high. I, I do like um, Tyler Lockett is great. Doug Baldwin, if he stays healthy, he's a very good receiver. Don't count on it. I know. They drafted Penny last year. Like they're run they have three solid running backs. I mean, they could look into a receiver. Um, I still have Hawkinson. They could look into him, they could look into Noah Fant. I mean, there's tons of possibilities. You still no. have Metcalf, right? Yeah, I mean I have I have not taken no, There are no. receivers available yeah. if they need they're them. all at play. I it's just a hypothetical, just to see see what the mastermind over here has in his thought processes for this team. Throw him some curveballs. Not a damn thing. <laughs> the 22nd selection belongs to the Baltimore Ravens after going 10-6 and six last year and winning the AFC North. Steve, what do the Ravens do with this selection? All right, you can take his name off the board. It's Donkey Kong time. No more DKs. He fixes Baltimore's biggest problem. Baltimore has the worst receiving core in the league. I think their best receiver is Willie Sneed. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say a damn thing. That is awful. Metcalf's route tree is limited, but his combination speed, size is truly rare. He runs a 4-3, and he's like 250. But what yeah, is he's he? a beast. He's he, he's out of control. He's a physical specimen. I do believe with the right coaching, he can unleash his potential. I see him as Josh Gordon, just without the drugs. Okay. So he's Josh Gordon clean. better. <laughs> yeah, he, he's Josh Gordon clean, and I think he and Lamar could help each other just being that really scary duel that that could really mess with some defenses. Yeah, I've said this earlier. DK to me has bust written on him, but a team like Baltimore has the need to risk it on a player like DK Metcalf. Maybe he is going to be a bust, but if you're Baltimore and you're drafting now at this point, that's who you get. I mean, three or four spots difference for Baltimore. You're still you're still getting a wide receiver in this draft. Mm-hmm. You need it. You need to do something for that quarterback that you drafted two seasons ago. Season. Is it? A, is it? That was his rookie year. That was his rookie year last yeah. year? Yeah. Oh, Baltimore. Yeah. I, what the hell's, I'm thinking of Houston Texans. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know why I confuse the two of those guys all the time. Young black quarterbacks. <laughs> you got to get him somebody to throw the ball to. You got to turn him into something. I'm not totally convinced he's their guy. At quarterback, but I want to see one more year. Yeah, you gotta, I, w- I want to see a full season under the belt. I want to see how he adjusts when you have film on him. You kind of saw what happens if the same team plays him twice, and I want to see how he adapts. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying, Aaron. He might not be the best receiving prospect we've seen, but if you're getting the best receiving prospect from this draft at 22, it's at least worth risking, especially when wide receiver is your biggest need. Do you guys know what the DK stands for in DK Metcalf? Donkey Kong. That is incorrect. That's what it is, damn it. Devin Kennard. Nope, his name is DeKalen Zacharias Metcalf. Donkey Kong, okay. The 23rd selection belongs to the Houston Texans after going 11-5 last year and winning the AFC South. Steve, what do the Texans use with this draft pick? All right, so I'm having them take Dalton Reisner. With one of the worst lines in the league, it'd be wise for the Texans to invest into offensive alignment for Watson. Reisner possesses average length and athletic ability, but with enough tape consumption, it becomes clear that he has the necessary tools to get guys blocked on the NFL level. 
Reisner is the same player on every snap with core strength, body control, and strong hands, allowing to succeed on a relatively consistent basis. Reisner will need to prove to the NFL that he can handle the edge speed, but a move inside could be a fail-safe option for him. You need to invest in, in Watson before you have yes. to pay him $30 million plus. Mm-hmm. You have two more years before you have to pay Watson. Like You still have to pay the best receiver in the league, DeAndre Hopkins, the money. So the text, is he still did, the best receiver in the is, league? He is by far the best receiver mm-hmm. in the league. Yeah, and he's a guy that he's taken way too many hits. He's getting sacked way too much. I think last year he got hit like 80 times. Yeah, mm. and that doesn't even count. Quarterback pressures, you're not allowing a guy who you brought into your team to become your quarterback. He's getting the uh, gay butler treatment. He's getting destroyed. He doesn't even stand a chance. So you have to go with an offensive lineman in, in the, with this pick. There's no choice. Even for his own sanity, mm-hmm. right? Not seeing a early pick for an offensive lineman is just like, oh, my God, it's another yeah. year. And he's good on his feet. So you get a guy in Dalton Reisner, Reisner, Risner, however you want to say his name. Reisner. Reisner. He can block. He can move. He can, he can do run stuff. Reading stuff on him. Montez Sweat was one of the few players that gave him trouble. You've got a guy... Who can do the job? Who can take care of your quarterback? <laughs> he got sacked 62 times last year. That's nuts. It's like, come on. He, he's going to be in a body bag. Get him some protection. He was hit He was on in October last year. He was on pace to get sacked 68 times. I hit 172 times. Wow. Not many players can take that beating. I think Big Ben is actually the most hit quarterback. Mm. You're kind of seeing it now. Like His body is just not the same. The 24th selection belongs to the Oakland Raiders via trade with Chicago, the Khalil Mack trade. Yep. After going 4-12 and last year, the Raiders placed last in the AFC West. What does John Gruden and the crew do with this second pick of theirs? They're going to take Montez Sweat. It's a cool pick for them. He dropped a little bit because of this heart condition. I still think he'll be a first-rounder, just not the top 15 pick that some people have him as. I see him as a leggy, edged prospect with average play strength and a lack of refinement in his pass rush. Very similar to uh, Danielle Hunter, with an above-average length and a prospect who can continue to grow into his frame, allowing to unleash his rush flashes into a consistent attack. Danielle Hunter is probably one of the premier rushers that's not really known right now. His transition as an NFL rusher will take time, but like Hunter, he'll come into his own and be an impact starter on his, as an every-down edge defender. It just sucks that we find out about his heart condition just right before he gets drafted. Yeah, and obviously uh, they say it's an enlarged heart, which is really problematic. But evaluating his talent, at what point is that no longer an issue? 25? If he gets down to 32? I have have him going to the Raiders because they did this last year. with um, They drafted a player in the fifth round from Michigan that he had potential to be a first-rounder, but he has a heart condition. He could legitimately die on the field. And on a lot of team sports, he went from first-round prospect to undraftable because mm. you don't want that press of you drafting a guy and he dying on the field. Absolutely. He, and you can't make him sign a waiver. He's a killer pick right here at this point in the, in the game. He's a top-10 talent, in my opinion. The heart thing, you know, it's obviously a concern, but he's one of my many picks I'd want for my team picking he's, at eight. He's your guy. Devin White's my guy. I feel like it's not going to happen. Greedy Williams is my guy. I feel like it's possible. But Montez Sweat is my other guy. But how great are you going to feel as an Oakland fan that in this draft that we're doing, you come out with Kyler Murray and Montez Sweat with a 22nd pick? You got one more, too. And you got you one You got more. one more pick coming up. You're already feeling great before the draft as an Oakland fan, but now you just got two top 10 talents. Mm-hmm. 
honestly, I feel like this is the Cleveland Browns of last year's draft playing out where they got both of their guys in that draft. It almost makes the Khalil Mack trade worth it. Mm-hmm. Right. It kind of does. Yeah, it does. You it get to reset. Does. You get to reset your starter, salary cap. Resets yep. a defensive starter, and yeah, in your salary cap. And imagine if, and we didn't do it in this draft, but imagine if the Oakland Raiders just went and got Josh Allen. It's awesome. All right, so we are going to drop back out. We're going to have a small break, and we will be back for picks twenty-five through thirty-two. The draft is beginning to wind down as we head into the last part. The draft is beginning to wind down as we get into head into the home stretch here. Let us know on Twitter and Facebook who you think will not be taken in the first round. Thank you for listening to the Under Channel's 2019 NFL Draft Special. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and the show is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Find, follow, and spread TUC. The 25th selection belongs to the Philadelphia Eagles. After going 9-7 and last year and placing second in the NFC East, Steve, what do the Eagles do with this pick? They are taking David Long as a corner. Long has had the lowest completed percentage in college. He allowed only, I believe, about 15%. Mm. He does have question marks due to him almost never playing zone. He is strictly a man coverage corner. He has the second best man corner after Greedy Williams. I mean, the Eagles do have secondary pieces. They have Sidney Jones. There's a new theory going around that you can never have too many corners, mm. especially since the Eagles went, I think, through 12 cornerbacks last year. Wow. They got injured a lot, and I think David Long can help stabilize that defensive backcourt. Either that, or I would like him to take an offensive lineman. You're having a lot of people starting to get up in age. Jason Peters lost a step. Jason Kelsey hinted at retirement. But I think that going for corner first and then going for offensive lineman in the second round, that's probably the best way to go for the Eagles. What about linebacker? There's only two linebackers worth taking in the first. After that, it's such a huge drop-off. Yeah, it is. It is a major drop-off. And corner is more valuable to me than linebacker. Yeah, and you got there's at least four corners that are worth a number one pick. And linebackers, you're right. You get in the Trey Lamars, Mac Wilsons. Maybe you go for linebacker in round two. Yeah. The 26th selection belongs to the Indianapolis Colts. After going 10-6 and six last year and placing second in the AFC South, Steve, what do the Colts do with this pick? It was first in AFC South. It wasn't the Colts. Oh, no, it's the Texans. Never mind. I'm sorry. Wow. You're doubting the guy who spent a few minutes writing this down into his <laughs> No, I was, th- I was thinking out loud. I apologize. I have him taking Christian Wilkins. He falls a little bit. Good player. Um, the Colts' D-line, I think, is good. It's their biggest need. I don't think it's good. It's not great. They pick up Justin Houston through free agency, and I think Wilkins and Houston can help this D-line reach the next level and help the Colts reach the Super Bowl. His desired combination of athleticism, production, and, and character with the ability to fit into a stop unit has already has the same pieces in place. Wilkins is a slippery upfield three technique with the ability to make plays outside of his area. He plays with low pads, allowing for optional disruption leverage in the gaps, but he needs to be paired with an attacking front as he lasts his length and strength to hold his ground as a read-and-react tackle. I really believe he could help the Colts start rebuilding that defensive line and just start from scratch. Who's the better talent between Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence? Both teammates, both playing the same position, basically, out there in Clemson. Uh, Do you feel Wilkins benefited from Lawrence? They both benefit from each other. Yeah. And then you also have Farrell. Like, all three of them benefit from each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's a scary, solid D-line all going into the draft together at the same time. Yep. 
Yeah, and of course, Christian Wilkins, you know, most known for grabbing Curtis Samuel's balls at the uh, Fiesta Bowl 2017. I know nothing of this, but oh, wow, he really felt up the crack of his nutsack. Steve, okay. did you okay. leave this That's out of the imagery. draft study for some reason? Wow, he wanted he really took in the taint on that. He really goes in for it. Wow. So that's what I mostly known him for Ew. as a ball sack touching guy. Does that change your draft stuff? Yeah, he's, he's he's off my board now. <laughs> that's assault, brother. The 27th selection belongs once again to the Oakland Raiders via trade with Dallas. Where did they get this pick from? Do you know? <clears throat> Dallas traded for Amari Cooper. Yeah. After going 4-12 and last year and finishing last in the AFC West, Steve, what do John Gruden and the Raiders do with this final pick in the first round? They're taking TJ Hawkinson. I like TJ, but I could not find a spot to put him. He fell. He fell, and I feel like the Raiders would be a very good fit for him. And it kind of gives Kyler Murray a very underrated like receiving core to work with. You got Antonio Brown, you got Tyra Williams, and then you give him TJ Hawkinson, who is considered the best tight end prospect since Gronk. TJ can do it all. He can catch, block, and run routes extremely well. He should be picked higher than this, but I honestly didn't know where to put him. It sucks. So just from the way you're describing it, because that's what you always see is he's an all-around tight end. He does every facet. It almost sounds like he's the perfect safety blanket for that high-picking quarterback. You know, you get to have a big tight end who can stand in front of him on most plays blocking for him, but also be his escape valve. Yeah, they have nobody on tight end in Oakland. If Hawkinson is there, even Noah Fant, realistically, if those are your one and two yeah. tight end talents, that's your pick at this point. If those guys are still on the board. And you, you've gotten through. You and two Kyler Murray is your new quarterback. He's your shiny new toy. You get him a security blanket. I do feel like that the rookie quarterback to tight end thing has kind of died. It has, but it's also still an offensive scheme that is played in every offensive scheme. Yeah, especially since the Raiders being old school, it does fit yeah. very well. You know, he's the he's the right guy. Drafting a tight end right now, it especially if you're a Raiders fan and Hawkinson is there this far in the draft, you're dancing and you're you're dancing at the couch. Your your chip dip just started tasting amazing. <laughs> it's a great pick. Yeah, if the Raiders do pick all three of these players, I've you feel that they are closer to contending with the Chiefs the Chargers oh, and, and the Broncos in the division. Chiefs are the only ones that are going to fall off in that division. Well, it depends, oh, that, on, what, it I depends on Chiefs. I didn't mean to say Chiefs. I meant to say Chargers. Mm. Chargers are the ones that are going to fall off. No, they'll be fine. The 28th selection belongs to the Los Angeles Chargers. After going 12-4 and last year and placing second in the AFC West, Steve, what do the Chargers do with this selection? They are taking Zach Allen. Chargers' main need is interior defensive line help, and I think the best player for this would be Zach Allen. He is a hard-charging defensive end who calls on initial quickness, play strength, and outstanding instincts to counter his lack of strength and athleticism. I think that this pick will help solidify the defensive line with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and help the Chargers get closer to the Super Bowl. That inside D-line got torched last year in the playoffs, and I think getting a player like Zach Allen could help him out. Yeah, and he could teach Philip Rivers how to use a Boston accent from Boston College. I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need to hear Philip Rivers trying to do. I love Philip though. <laughs> do you love him doing accents though? No, I don't want even want to imagine that one. <laughs> the 29th selection belongs to the Kansas City Chiefs after going 12 and four last year and winning the AFC West. Steve, what do the Chiefs do with this selection? I haven't taken Jonathan Abram. The Chiefs need to improve their secondary. Even though they picked up Tyron Matthew, they did lose Eric Berry. 
This could be what could help rebuild that secondary. Abram is a blunt force striker with a measurable and play demeanor that teams will look for a down safety with that with a nickel linebacker qualities. So he could play linebacker as well if needed. Abrams did a memorable job in coverage of Mississippi State coverage scheme, but Knight have might have the anticipation of ball skills to hold up in extended coverage duties. He shrines as a physical run defender with pursuit, speed, and energy to play inside shield to sideline to sideline. He grades out as one of the better options for teams looking to play the effective big nickel defender near the box. I was debating this or excuse me, or pass rush, but I think that them going for secondary is a little bit more important. Found a really good, exciting description for Jonathan Abrams. Eric Berry 2.0. I know it's simple, but if that's even close to being accurate, even a pick at 20, what are we at, 29, 29. would be worthwhile. Even if he's a derivative Eric Berry of was Eric Berry. Fifth. Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. Is if the only way that I've seen him Abrams describe is Eric Berry 2.0, that's some crazy value for 28th pick. I think that's his extreme upside. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you don't go defense, you should just quit the league. Don't be a franchise well, anymore. Quarterbacks on the board. Quarter, yeah, they need, they need a quarterback <laughs> in Kansas City. No, Kansas City needs defensive help, period. That's what lost them. They would have been a Super Bowl team, but they couldn't. They, they just, couldn't stop Brady. They couldn't stop. There was nothing they couldn't answer defensively. I'm not tempted in any way, shape, or form, but I could see them being stupid and drafting a running back at this point. But it won't happen, hopefully. But they could end up drafting a running back just because maybe Kareem Hunt really hurts them that much. But there's plenty of running backs to get later in the draft. Go defense. I don't even think running backs need. Damian Williams did more than enough to prove You're that right. He, was, he did play. I'd rather well. them, I'd say, first three rounds, work on defense, and then pick a receiver in the fourth round. Because if Tyreek Hill gets straight up released, that's a need. Mm-hmm. Right away. That becomes a, that, that becomes almost immediate need as corner and defensive end. Yeah, Mahomes can't do it all himself. He's got to have you're, the ball. You're, He's got to be able to throw it. Your wide receiver one now becomes Watkins. Ooh. Yeah, that's not. No. We've seen that play out in some towns already. The 30th selection belongs to the Green Bay Packers via trade with the New Orleans Saints. After going 6-9-1 last year and placing third in the NFC North, Steve, what does new head coach Matt LaFleur do with his second pick? They're going to take Noah Fant. They're going to address one of their needs. They thought Jimmy Graham could have been the guy last year. He was too old. Too, too old, fat. too washed off. Get off my porch. Uh, Noah's one of the fastest prospects in this draft, and the Packers' new head coach loves to throw the Titans in his place. Noah's main problem however is his hands he has had more than 12 drops over his career and his nfl uh, comparison is to actually ebron he's similar to ebron in in a lot of ways i hope the packers get him then for sure who was our uh, who did we give the packers the first time around with their first pick in this draft um i agree offensive side of the ball that's where we need to go um rashad gary rashad gary that's right we gave him them what do you think about paris campbell giving a speedy receiver not necessarily a really uh, big guy. You know, he's 5'11", 205 pounds. He ran the fastest time at the Combine. Uh, he was a 4-3-1. Give Aaron Rodgers a burner. Give Aaron Rodgers somebody to throw the ball down deep. Who does he have? He has Devontae Adams. Is he, is Devontae is a top five receiver. Is he, the, is he the deep route runner? He can be. I mean, he's, he's not slow. Do you think Paris Campbell is a good enough player to get onto a squad like Green Bay and force a defense to cover him as well as Devontae Adams. Because ultimately, if you're going to have Devontae Adams be even more successful, you've got to have another threat on the outside. 
and I don't think they have one. No, they picked up a lot of rookies last year, and they—I don't think any of them really developed in ways that. I mean, they picked forty-fourth after the thirtieth pick, and I think maybe Paris Campbell can still be there. So he maybe, will be probably. He won't so, be in the first round. You're right about that. So maybe you go tight end, and then you go wide receiver, and then after that, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I do like the idea though of giving giving him a burner. The 31st selection belongs to the Los Angeles Rams. After going 13-3 and last year, the Rams placed first in the NFC before eventually losing to the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Steve, what do you have Sean McVay and his Rams doing with this pick? Uh, I have them taking D-line. They're taking Chase Winovich. The Rams need D-line help and a speed rusher with a 4.59 speed and one of the better-rated defensive players on the Michigan defense that included Rashad Gary and Devin Bush. Closing speed and hustle is always evident. He will probably get seven sacks on effort alone mm-hmm. just because he he has a nonstop motor. Does need more changeup moves as his speed rush is just not enough. I think combining him, Dante Fowler, and Aaron Donald, you're going to give defensive line fits. Yeah. I don't think the Sue Donald line that we thought would just straight up devour O-lines, it wasn't as effective as I thought it would be. Yeah. You get this guy and you won't even miss Sue. I'm surprised he hasn't signed, but I understand why. Yeah, he's a. If you if you, you sign deal with him, you got to deal with him. No, if you sign him, you you lose like a third or fourth rounder. Oh, do you? Yeah, you have to wait till after the draft. Oh. And plus, like he's like a one year. He's now a mercenary. I didn't realize that was a thing with Sue. Mm-hmm. He would be a comp. Hmm. Chase Winovich, you know, he falls into that mold of the white edge rusher that we see a lot with the long hair. Did you guys happen to see him as the beast in Dancing with the Michigan Stars? This is terrible. Yeah, they real? actually won. Looks yeah, like he's he dressed in drag. No, he won the dancing contest with his routine from Beauty and the Beast. Jeez. I was trying to see who else was in it, but it was like the Michigan men's baseball coach. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's not really celebrities at this wow. point. Dude. What is it? That's an alternate reality right there. (laughs) (laughs) If Chase got injured and he couldn't play football anymore. The 32nd selection belongs to New England Patriots. The Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots! After going 11-5 last year and placing first in the AFC East and eventually winning the Super Bowl. So, Steve, what do you have the Patriots doing to end out this first round? Uh, They're taking Daryl Savage. This probably won't happen. They'll probably trade down. They love doing it. Savage will offer an interesting uh, Limus test for how teams value instincts and um, IQ and coverage quickness against size, and nobody's better than evaluating that than Bill Belichick, in my opinion. Uh, he sports a compact frame with a muscular build and was actually bigger than the combine and some scouts expected. His sticky cover skills and ability to close on throws from all areas are valuable commodities that should not be undervalued. Savage should be targeted as a day two hybrid defender, offering early starting potential as a too high zone or slot cover talent. I think he'll help the Patriots secondary with Devin McCourty. I'm blocking on the others, but I, I only I only looked at Jonathan Abram in safety class to be. Those honest are the only you. two. Those are the only two safeties there. I felt that were t- worth taking. I did. I didn't even look at Darnell Savage. Um, just I mean, I'm not saying I'm a great evaluator of talent oh neither am i jonathan abram was the only guy who looked like okay i'll watch his film i tried to watch a couple other guys and i was like all right the rest of these safeties aren't worth looking at hey why not i mean what do you what else are you gonna do after you win the super bowl you could take receiver you could they are are super thin at receiver you could take um nikon harry from arizona state he could be a very good fit 
Who else is in your division? You got Miami, Buffalo, and the Jets. So you got the Jets with a strong arm in uh, ugly face kid that plays quarterback for them. Don't talk about Don. Sam Donald. Don't, don't talk about the Don like that. But he's going to be throwing the ball. You got to find a way to protect that. I don't think you need to worry about Miami, although they seem to be a Patriot killer sometimes. They always have good good games oh, they, each they, other. They play in Miami early this year. Yep. Some weird shit's going to happen. And that's what happens. The early Fitz magic is in early season play. Buffalo. Uh, uh, I like Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen is going to have a chance to really make a step up. So, again, another quarterback. you got to get some help with New England to protect that pass. And that's the end of our 2019 NFL Draft Special. If you are listening to this before the draft, we will be releasing a accuracy audit of Steve's picks, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show. That will be coming out Sunday the 28th. I might so get three right. After you uh, had a chance to dig through your draft results, come on over to the Under Channel, find us and check us out, see how Steve did. Maybe it might even be good enough to be around for another one of these next year. Doubt it. Other than that, we've got the Under Channel versus the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That ends on Monday, April 29th, 2019 with Avengers Endgame. And then we've got a few releases lined up for May. We're going to do two separate segments called Getting to Know TUC, which will be a way for the audience to get to know us a little bit better in our history. And then we're going to do a Pokemon-themed episode to coincide with the release of Detective Pikachu. Pokemon!